Welcome to the Pokescast. I'm Ryan Thorburn, the Wyoming beat writer for the Casper Star Tribune. You can check out all of my coverage at trib.com. Follow me on Twitter at by underscore Ryan Thorburn. It's uh, May, but still quite a busy time in Pokeland as Jeff Linder unveiled his eight-man recruiting class on Tuesday, and we were finally able to speak to Jeff after a a long season, um, a very painful season, and obviously spring football just wrapped up. So to hit on all these things, uh, bringing in Cody Tucker, the founder of 7220 Sports. Cody, how are you doing? Uh, doing great, man. Do you remember back in the good old days when we used to be off in May? Yeah, the uh, the transfer portal has sucked us into it, and I don't think we're going to get out anytime soon. Uh, that's for football, basketball, whatever, wrestling. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah we're in it, man. Yeah, it's 24-7 these days, but hey, man, it's uh, it's something new every day. Yeah, I know you uh, talked to Linder after the San Diego State game, the last regular season game. I didn't get on that call. Uh, I think that game ended so late. It was just like pointless, and they lost yeah. by 100. Um, I talked to him the day before the Mountain West tournament for a preview, which was March 7th, and it's been all silent since then until Tuesday. Obviously, Jeff didn't arrive in Las Vegas for the Mountain West Tournament. He was with his ailing father who passed away March 9th. Um, And then obviously the whole team left for the portal and they have eight new guys coming in. And we finally were able to to talk to Jeff about all of the above. What was your number one takeaway from just Jeff's media availability and how he handled questions about the past and, and the future? One word's coming to mind for me, Ryan, uh, and that's defiant. And and not necessarily in a horrible way or a good way. Um, I think you can get excited about his defiance because he's he's saying, hey, you're going to like these eight guys I just brought in. I'm still a good basketball coach. Uh, Last year was just a perfect storm, as he put it, with the injuries and the, you know, he's not going to sit here and, and tell us why guys left the program and all that. So he was kind of defiant in that way. But also it's kind of scary, in my opinion, Ryan, and I think you agree with this. Um, The the players have the power now. And uh, we can't forget that this roster left, and there was an internal investigation inside this program. So something clearly was amiss, and he said the right things. I I made mistakes. I need to look in the mirror. But, like, he didn't get in detail with that. I, what I took from that is, hey, I'm still a hell of a basketball coach. I brought in a really good class. And uh, forget about last year. Uh, everything bad that could happen happened, and we're moving forward. Yeah, I, I get the uh, the feeling. I wouldn't say embarrassed is the right word, but he's probably a little miffed that, you know, parents of California players put on social media that there were abuses within the program, physical and verbal you know, I did a big story for Easter Sunday where, you know, I tried to talk to everyone possible and gave them, you know, anonymity, whether that was parents or players that were in the portal or and whatever. And, you know, some of them talked, some of them didn't. Some of, you know, I got a hold of Mark Rogers. He took the high road. You know, the assistant coach obviously recruited those guys. Uh, I think what it came down to is, is Tom Berman had to do something. They did an investigation and they found that, you know, there was nothing physical going on and 
You know, you can parse verbal abuse however you want to. Jeff yeah. Linder's an old school hard coach and he's going to get on you verbally. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think if you gave the the players from California truth serum and you gave Linder truth serum, you would probably, I think they would all admit to mistakes. And I think if those guys looked in the mirror, they didn't do everything they could to, to be in the rotation. They didn't adapt to the culture the way they should have, uh, given that they were the new guys. And I think, you know, Jeff is going to try to find guys he can coach hard. And I respect that. But at the same time, I think if you gave him truths from me, you might say, you know, I, I could have eased up a little bit here and there on, on some certain things. You would hope so. I mean, and maybe, Ryan, it's because you and I heard Craig Bowl in this very exact spot a couple of years ago. I didn't catch a lot of humble humbleness coming out of Jeff Linder, but he's a competitor and he's a tough dude. Uh, but we saw a guy in Craig Bowl who, then 62 years old, really said, hey, man, I looked in the mirror and I have to have a better relationship with my players. We didn't hear that yesterday from Jeff Linder, per se. We heard, I want guys who want to be here, the same stuff we've kind of heard since March. And I'm not I'm not dumping on Linder whatsoever. I respect the guy, and I really actually really like him. Um, but <clears throat> I didn't catch a, a ton of humble, I, like you said, kind of embarrassed, maybe a little pissed off that that, that stuff happened, uh, especially the investigation part, and that – I don't want to say those three guys brought this program to its knees, but it started it maybe. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how you feel about this. There was obviously something wrong with the chemistry of the team, but if Graham EK is never injured and he balls out the way he did the year prior, I mean, do those guys fit in more seamlessly? Is everybody happy? Uh, you know, do they challenge in the mountain West uh, you know, you might still have some injuries crop up here and there, but maybe there's more buy-in and the guys that fill in during the injured for the injured players, you know, play at a higher level. Uh, of course, when EK wasn't injured, you know, I started kind of my story that I refer to. Jeff Linder hinted that the summer did not go well and that there were cracks in the iron early on. So it's hard to say, but I think the number one thing that went wrong for Wyoming was uh, Graham E.K.'s foot being injured. That's Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, it's an old cliche, of course, Ryan, but I think winning cures all. And when I'm saying all, I think those guys play better. They're happier. Um, also, I think it cures some of the NIL problems and the transfer portal problems. After the Cowboys lost to Indiana and Dayton, I don't think any of us even thought about the transfer portal, did we? We knew that whole team was coming back. We knew they were coming back on a mission uh, winning, I think, will really can really temper some things, but it's easier said than done, of course. Yeah, I think uh, Jeff Linder probably rode that that team, the twenty five win team, as hard as he rode last year's team. And it's just when you're winning, you you buy in and you put yeah. up things. And with the portal, if you don't like the way things are going, all of a sudden, or the direction of the program, or you know, if you're Jeremiah Odin or Xavier Dussel. Uh, and Graham E.K. decides he's going to go to Gonzaga, maybe you're like, okay, maybe I'll do my own thing too because, you know, Graham obviously was an elite player that made all those guys so much better. So yeah. I think there's blame all the way to go around, and uh, I know fans hate the system. I hate covering the portal, but it is what it is, and now it's about adapting. Like you said, Craig Bull, I have a lot of respect for him. For being an older guy, I mean, I don't believe in ageism. I think if he wanted to coach till he's 70, he's 
definitely capable of doing that. But yeah. it's just funny that the old coach, the old stubborn coach who won't pass the ball <laughs> really made an incredible adaptation to the portal. And Linder, I think he's made a great ad- adaptation in term- as far as adding guys via the portal, but is he, has he made the uh, relationship building change? We'll see. And I think that's key. And I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm so, I'm not even afraid to admit it. I am so proud of Craig Bull. I never in a million years thought he was going to change. Um, but now every player last year, Ryan, after my interviews, I would say, Hey, has Craig really changed? Like, Hey, you know, you can tell me. And they go, yeah, man, actually there's times where it's kind of awkward. He comes and sits at our lunch table and, He's really involved. And I know Jackson Marcotte, it sticks out that he'd always talk to Jackson about his mom made the best spaghetti he's ever eaten on a, on a recruiting trip. And, and, you know, a big thing with Craig too, not only was he acting that, that CEO part where you're kind of a robot and you're not, uh, you're not fitting in with your guys, then COVID hits to make matters even worse. And then the transfer portal opens wide and uh, it was a perfect storm for Craig Bull as well. So uh, the way he turned it around on a personal level is really, really impressive. The old dog definitely learned some new tricks. Yeah, and I know, like, you know, when you have to ask about the play call at the end of the Boise State game and he hasn't had a cooling off period, you know, he's going to snap at you. And, you yeah. know, if I question whether they should kick a field goal or go for it on fourth down more, he's going to, quit. you know, snap back at that. That's fine. That's normal yeah. interaction. I know Craig has a lot of respect for the media and that, you know, guys like us covering the team is only good for the program. And without anyone covering or caring about the program, there's no point to it. So I I just, I don't know that I have as much respect for Linder as I do Craig Bull, because I think Linder is a genius. I would never question his X's and O's, but he kind of hinted that we kind of gave up on him. I don't know where he's getting that. So I don't know that he has the same respect uh, for the media that Bull does, but he certainly was obviously feeling some heat. And I had some articles saying that, you know, it was a train wreck and a disaster. And the San Jose <laughs> it, State game in particular, it was completely <laughs> derailed, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I would never question his basketball acumen. I think he's a brilliant head coach. And I will not be surprised, and we'll get into these guys, if these eight guys, if five or six of them hit big. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Linder's a really smart guy, and I always hearken back to this. I know I've talked about it on your podcast, but when he slowed things down against San Diego State his first year here in the Mountain West Tournament, that was the only way you were going to beat those guys. And he he toned down the high-flying stuff for a game and really muddied that thing up, and, and I believe they lost by two. Uh, I think he's a really brilliant guy, but we got to admit, Ryan, last year didn't look like a Jeff Linder team. They were chucking up threes all the time and we'd ask about the shot selections and he wouldn't exactly freak out and say, yeah, they were terrible. They sure didn't pass the eyeball test. And his teams are known for just shutting down that three point line on defense. And it never happened. Teams shot better than ever against the Cowboys last year. So it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare and there was no other way to put it. So let's, let's talk about these new guys. I mean, all these fans are like, Hey, let's talk about who's here. Okay. Let's do it. Um, we've, I'm going to let you uh, pronounce all these names too. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> what, what's cool about this, and you know, you know, when Tom Berman was on my podcast, he kind of hinted that they were going to search under every rock for basketball players. And what's cool about this is you have guys from Power Five, you have guys from junior college, you have guys from D- Division Two, NAIA, and obviously uh, three freshmen. So you have eight new players. 
Um, they could add two more if they'd like. It sounds like less is going to be more with this team that, you know, maybe the chemistry will be better if less guys are trying to complain about playing time. So right now they have, you know, eight newcomers. Uh, I want to start with the three that I think have to make a huge impact because they're going to be one and done at UW. And my number one guy is Sam Griffin, Tulsa transfer, you know, averaging about 16 points a game in the American. Uh, Jeff Linder tried to recruit him out of high school to Northern Colorado. He ends up going to UT Arlington. And then when he got in the portal, the first time uh, the staff tried to get him here at Wyoming, third time is the charm. This guy, you know, you, you think about him and Wenzel together, maybe uh, a nice little backcourt in terms of veteran guys. Uh, I think this guy is a scorer that's going to help replace some of those Noah Reynolds and Xavier Ducell points. Yeah, I like him. I think he's the crown jewel of this thing, really. Uh, but, you know, a quick fix, right? I mean, he only has one year. So you really need to milk everything you can out of, out of Sam Griffin and um, really overlooked in high school. I was looking into him. He's in Miami, which is a hotbed of athletes in general. And, uh, you know, he's fighting between going to UT Arlington and Northern Colorado. That's that's crazy. And this guy's just gotten better and better every year as far as the points go. 244 career three-pointers, nearly 1,500 points already. I mean, this guy's legit, and he needs to, he needs to ball out his last year. Yeah, so the theme that you're going to hear is Obviously, Linder knew about this kid and wanted him four years ago. So he was from very familiar with Sam and his game. So now let's move on to another guy I think is going to be huge this year. A quell caught guard from Fort Lewis College. Uh, Jeff Linder played Division II at, at Western. Uh, you know, his college coach, Bob Hoffman, recommended this kid because Bob still follows it very closely, the RMAC. And uh, Linder's friends with uh, Bob Petrick, Pytrack, mm -hmm. uh, the coach down at Fort Lewis. So, again, a kid that is vetted, an All-American, first-team, Division II player, flat-out scorer, you know. Uh, I think he had, what, 45 points in one game? He did, uh, yeah. This kid is going to have the green light and uh, – He's going to be a baller in the Mountain West, and and I like that he's probably got that chip on his shoulder. Uh, you know, Linder mentioned Derek White, the kid that was at uh, the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs for three years, and then finally got a shot at CU Boulder. Was all Pac-12 and is now one of the Celtics' key rotation guys. Uh, I'm not saying Aquell is that, but he's certainly from that mold. Yeah, and, and Linder mentioned yesterday he's only 6'2", 165, but he's got a gigantic wingspan. I believe he said he plays more like he's 6'6". Um, our biggest question, right, coming into this, Ryan, is will it translate? Will their success at lower levels translate? Jeff Linder said yesterday time and time again, these guys can put the ball in the hole, and it doesn't matter. And something that stood out to me that he said was a lot of D1 guys belong in D2, and a lot of D2 guys belong in D1. So he really likes Aquell. So um, really excited for him. Uh, he thinks that he's going to score. Uh, he's going to score a bunch. And uh, I noticed in this class in general, he really went after high percentage shooters. And I and I like that he mentioned. You know, this kind of it sucks for Fort Lewis because yeah. this guy is the Grand EK of Fort Lewis, and he's coming to Wyoming because he wants to play up a level. And you know, I know Gonzaga and Wyoming are technically at the same level. Wyoming beat them 20 years ago in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, he's friends with Mark Few. So I'm sure Mark Few is like, I'm 
I feel bad for Wyoming, but I'm making Graham EK. So it, they, all these coaches kind of feel each other's pain a little bit. And I like that he kind of acknowledged that, hey, Wyoming fans, by the way, we're ripping the hearts out of these lower guys. To yeah, I, Ryan, that's such a great point. I love that he said that too. And I bet he'd be the first one to say the same thing about the next guy. You're going to probably bring up Mason Walters out of Jamestown, who not only was dominant at Jamestown, he's from there. He is. I love I had a chance to talk to Mason on the phone, and it's funny because, you know, so many basketball players, you know, like the Jeremiah Owens of the world have to adapt from coming from Chicago to Laramie or, you know, guys come from Texas to Laramie. This kid has to adapt to the big city of Laramie. He said <laughs> it's so much more to do than in Jamestown. And, uh, you know, a true Jamestown hero, obviously, their all-time leading scorer, you know, well over 2,000 points. This guy scored more points at Jamestown than Finnis Dimbo scored at Wyoming. Okay. Yeah. That's so, uh, you know, he's the NAIA player of the year. And just like Cod is like, okay, I have this extra year. I'm going to go up to the Mount West level. And he, you know, chose Wyoming over a lot of options. So this guy can rebound. He's six, nine, he's two twenty-five. I don't not saying he's a Graham EK, but he, I think he's going to, fill some of those stat holes that EK had two years ago. I love this guy. I think what Jeff wants to do is what Jeff's plan was for EK last year, which is face the basket more and take more outside shots. This guy can hit him from outside at 6'9", 225. He can, he can shoot from all over the place. So he's not just your your guy in the middle. But what did, what did Linder say yesterday, that nobody had more touches in the country in the paint than Graham EK and this guy? So he uh, he can make plays there, but he can also shoot from the outside. So um, and I know that's what he wanted Graham to do last year. He really uh, he really expected him to start making some hay from the three point line. I mean, that's the only way that Graham EK is going to find his way into the NBA. The other interesting thing is I asked Linder, like, did you have all these pieces fitting together in your mind or is that something you have to figure out? He kind of constructed this roster with a plan in mind. And Caden Powley said has had a brilliant spring, six foot eleven sophomore. So you have Caden Powell much improved at the five. You put Mason Walters in there at the four, and you have all these shooters. Yeah. You know, I don't think the leap from Jamestown to Mountain West is is, is going to be as difficult as a lot of people think it's going to be. What's funny though, and I don't know if you picked up on this, is is Linder said numerous times yesterday that. Brendan Winslow's had a great spring. I mean, even Court Robertson's had had a great spring. Uh, practicing against who? Yeah, Kenny Foster, a great spring. <laughs> who are they practicing against? No new illnesses for Kenny Foster. But, <laughs> yeah. No, but that is cool because, you know, I think those four guys are going to be like the new hunters, the loyal guys that finish it out. And, you know, in this age, you're going to have a couple, or, you know, not everyone's going to leave, but those four guys are going to be, you know, obviously a huge part of this going forward. So uh, I'm excited to see what Wenzel can do in the spotlight yeah. and what Kenny Foster can do as a role player. If he can finally stay healthy, he was a hell of a high school basketball player. As we know, we saw um, him early in his career in Laramie, Ryan, when he was healthy, he was, he's very much that hard hat guy diving on the floor, going after loose balls at all times. But he also was probably their best pure shooter in Linder's first season here and, and even in Edwards last season. So hard to believe how long he's been around and we can't even get a clear answer out of UW, how many years of eligibility he has left. I think he has two. I do too. 
And <laughs> Winslow, I'm not sure of. He might have two. So, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm never going to say that a guy's not going to transfer because guys are transferring from UConn right now. I mean, it's right. just nuts. Right. Um, but I do know that Powell is an engineering student, that his mom is, you know, the dean of the law school at Baylor. I mean, he's not just here to ball. He's, I mean, he's serious about, you know, his degree. So uh, if Caden Powell stays for his full four years, you know, that's a, that's a great piece for Linder to build around. Imagine, um, imagine though, Ryan, if Caden Powell could have practiced against Graham BK all year last year. Good segue because now he gets to practice against uh, Oleg Kohinets, a Nebraska transfer, seven feet tall, 232 pounds, three years of eligibility left. He's from Lithuania, and he is a big – I view him as a developmental guy. He played very sparingly uh, in Nebraska. He played less in Nebraska than uh, I think Nate Barnhart played at Wyoming. So these seven-footers are developmental, but it's all about – practice he's going to practice against Caden Powell uh he's going to come in I would guess off the bench and uh similar to Powell uh Linder says this guy understands you know the screen game uh he said Powell's the best screener he's ever coached this guy can also defensively protect the rim so again that's another in Linder's mind we need a rim protector this guy could develop into that I love that Coach Jennett's, uh, you know, he's from Lithuania and he's played a ton of uh, these tournaments overseas and he's supposed to play some this summer. And Linder said he's blowing those off, which, as you know, would be really hard not to play for your home country. He's blowing those off so he can come to Laramie and get adapted and get to know his teammates. So really like that. And then when you look at his bio, what really stands out to me is his dad's a six foot 11 guy who uh, helped lead uh UNC Wilmington, I believe, yeah, to the NCAA tournament. And his mom also played there, and she's six foot six. So this guy's got basketball and uh, giant blood. And and the final transfer was the first guy to commit to Wyoming during the cycle, Kobe Newton, Fullerton College. Again, uh, Perry Webster, the Fullerton College coach, is great friends with Jeff Linder. So if you thought all of the, the bridges in California were burned, they are not. Uh, Perry Webster helped deliver Chandler Hutchinson to a young lender at Boise State. Hutchinson was a, I don't know if, did he win Mountain West Player of the Year? He was right up there. First round pick in the NBA with the Bulls. Uh, I'm not saying Kobe Newton is going to be that, but he's certainly got the, the great first name to be a baller at Wyoming. Yeah, and we keep hearing, you know, they want to, his team in Fullerton won a California State Championship. And from what I understand from everybody I've talked to, that junior college level is at a whole new level. It's really good, really competitive basketball. He hit seven threes in the championship game. So he's a guy who can get hot as well. And uh, once again, we're, we're seeing a pattern here, guys who can shoot. And, and by the way, Perry Webster coaches these guys super hard. And I talked to Perry and he said, uh, Kobe will love Linder and his style and loves to be pushed. And, uh, you know, he's he's seen what uh, Dame Lillard did <laughs> at Weber State with Linder, what Marcus Williams did for one year uh, with Linder. I mean, this guy just wants to, like the like so many of these guys, wants to be at the Mountain West level and prove he can play against Boise State and San Diego State. Yeah, I mean, he hit 93s last year as well. So, I mean, he just – he can flat-out shoot, and I believe he has two years of eligibility remaining. And then the three uh, high school guys 
you know, I think a lot of the the credit for these guys comes to the assistants. Ken DeWeese uh, found Nigel Cook, 6'6", freak athlete in, in Florida. Uh, Lender said he has eye-popping athleticism, um, but that he needs to put some meat on his bones. Uh, so he'll be in the weight room. So it's hard to say what his impact will be. Because on one hand, Linder's saying, you know, he needs some development. On the other hand, he's saying he's a freak athlete and nobody wants to redshirt anymore. So I'll be interested to see uh, about him. What do you think about him? Yeah, well, DME Academy, first of all, is a, you know, a perennial top 10 prep school in the United States. I mean, that's Daytona Beach, Florida. That's why yesterday I had to be, you know, got in that last question about how in the hell did you guys land this cat? Uh, Villanova offered him, and uh, once Villanova offered, some more offers started to pour in for him. So uh, it sounds like he's a really raw kind of guy, but when you watch his uh, tape, it's really impressive. And the one thing I want to say, Ryan, about getting these three high school guys is I'm so – these are my favorite signings because it could have been really easy to have a knee-jerk reaction and just go nuts and say, we're going to be portal guys a la what we saw at Utah State football with Blake Anderson when he got to he got here from Arkansas State and then, of course, won a Mountain West championship with, I believe, 25 new guys on his roster. But they didn't get away from this high school model. And, and uh, Linder had a great point that these high school kids are getting neglected these days uh, because of COVID and because of the portal. So a lot of teams are going with that, where they're loading up on portal guys. It's a perfect time to take some high school guys that are kind of – you know, they need to take they need to take what they can get in some cases. Yeah, and and Linder's new assistants, uh, Nick Whitmore, ha- is an academy guy, so he has ties to these academies. Uh, he has ties to the East Coast and also to the uh, the foreign recruits. Um, yeah. You know, obviously they got the kid from Lithuania, and then Bryston Williams, the other assistant, was at Indiana State. Um, he's from Kansas City, which is a great place to recruit. Uh, they get Kale Combs, a guard from Nixon, Missouri. And then Cam Manuwu, a forward from Kansas City. Uh, these two guys, uh, Linder said Kale's ready to ball now. Um, Cam, certainly 6'9", 215. That sounds good, but he, he's not going to turn 18 until December. So <laughs> a little wet behind the ears. But um, certainly these three guys kind of remind me of the 2020 class you know, which obviously produced E.K., Ducell, Williams, Odin, et cetera, guys that uh, were late in the process but really talented, and uh, Linder didn't have to do it over Zoom this time, so these three might pan out just as well. Yeah, that's the thing, man. They land this this Cam kid out of – they got uh, – he, he originally committed to Indiana State, and he decided to uh, – to uh, get out of his NLI and, and come to Wyoming. So that shows right there that there's a really good relationship between the assistants uh, and and these new assistants that he just brought in. And yeah, Kel Combs, he said he's ready to go. And he, he comes from Nixon, Missouri, which is just right outside of Springfield. And, you know, he averaged 24 points per game, shot 44% from behind the arc. He certainly sounds like a Jeff Linder recruit to me. So I think Wyoming fans, I don't know what their level of – interest is in this team at this point probably still a little shell-shocked from what happened over the last year and I understand that uh but uh, you know we've covered so many or followed so many Wyoming teams that like last year's that were picked second and it goes awry uh, this team is going to be picked near the bottom of the Mountain West but I don't get the sense at all that Linder 
Uh, is any less confident about this team than he was about last year's team, which says something. I don't either. And you know what, Ryan, once again, the comparison with bowl, uh, I know last year people are not happy just to go to an Arizona bowl. They're not happy to just win seven games, but if you keep that in perspective, he started having better relationships with guys and the third youngest roster in the country won seven games and went to a bowl game with two weeks to go in the season. They were playing for a shot in the mountain West championship game. I mean, who the hell would have expected that? No one. And when when Linder came in, kind of what I would hope if I'm a fan, what I would hope for is exactly like you mentioned about that 2020 team. Yeah, they weren't ready to go toe to toe with San Diego State. They weren't ready for Boise State. Uh, They got one from Colorado State. Uh, They were competitive and they were fun to watch. And they were guys that we said, wow, watching these guys grow is going to be a lot of fun. They popped off and won a couple of games. They shouldn't beat Nevada, swept Nevada and Laramie. Uh, but they weren't ready, but they were damn fun to watch. And every game you watched, you said, man, if this team grows together one more year, they could be really good. And they ended up in the NCAA tournament. The other cool thing about it is this is not a building process. Three of these guys are one and done, like we talked about. And Linder noted in this era now, every year you're going to have a completely different team. I don't expect them to lose eight guys next year but they're going to lose half the team, whether that's graduation or portal. And Linder's going to go back to his roots and find vet and find six or seven new guys next year. So every year, whether you're at Duke or Wyoming or wherever, it's a reload every year. And that's kind of, that's where the sport is right now. And you, you can either embrace that and get to know teams every year, or you can, uh, I guess, put your hand head in the sand because, uh, every year it's going to be a, a, a whole new dynamic for, for every team in the country pretty much. In this day and age, Ryan, it's really more important than ever to pull for the name on the front of the jersey yes. than it is the back, for one. And I think a, a way to start keeping these guys together is those that relationship building. Uh, Tom Berman mentioned to me on our podcast a few weeks ago that Players at UW are actually texting their coaches saying, I'm going to the transfer portal. And that shows him and it shows me that those relationships suck. So now if Jeff comes out and he's a totally different guy, which is, which I'm not suggesting lower the standard of which he keeps bringing up. I'm not suggesting that I'm suggesting sitting down with a guy and going, how are your fam- How's your family? How's your parents? What are you up to? What do you do when you're not at the court? You know, Hey, I see you in here 24 seven and everybody loves gym rats, but Hey, go have a life, go, go live, go be a college kid. If he does that kind of stuff, I think it's going to carry so much weight that a guy might go, you know what? We're building something special here. Yeah. Maybe I'm not crazy about Laramie. Yeah. Maybe we only won 15 games last year, but I love my coach. I love my teammates. I love this culture. I think that could develop into winning and that could keep some guys in in house. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it should be noted as, as much line, light as we try to shine on, you know, a dark season, you know, we're not allowed to to be at practice and that sort of thing. And and Jeff did mention all of the guys by name that moved on, including uh, the three California guys and said, I wish them all the very best. And he noted that, you know, quote, I, I can sleep at night because I know what goes on on a daily basis. And I was in the, my office watching yeah. film with all of those guys. And talking to all those guys. And so, you know, maybe uh, as we know, social media is not real life. And and I'm sure there are hard feelings, you know, from a number of players. But 
uh, Jeff Linder, you know, feels like, you know, he, he's, he's doing it the right way and we'll see um, how this group reacts to it. He also said yesterday that players are way different than they were two, three years ago. So yeah, even though he said his heart was in the right place, maybe it's time to put your mouth in the right place as well, instead of screaming, yelling, going nuts 24 seven, which like you said, we don't get to watch practice. We don't get to see that stuff, but by all accounts, he was nothing short of brutal last year. And, and that's because of the expectations and the injuries that he can't help. It's kind of like when Craig Bowl couldn't help COVID. Uh, it's just, it's frustrating as hell, but hopefully this is a chance to hit the reset button and go, you know what? Instead of yelling this time, maybe I put my arm around a kid. And, and we know Sundance Wicks played good cop. And we know that Ken DeWeese played some good cop. And even yesterday, Linder mentioned there has to be a bad cop. And, and it was him. But maybe bad cop doesn't need to throw you on the ground and cuff you and, and you know, put, put his knee on your back. You know what I mean? Exactly. And before we <laughs> before we move on to spring football, uh, you just mentioned Sundance Wicks. Uh, I just want to note that Sundance Wicks is from Gillette. He's uh, a great human being and a great coach. And Jeff Linder is super excited that he was able to get a head coaching job despite Wyoming's horrific season. And, you know, I know there was a connection there with uh, the president at uh, Wisconsin Green Bay was uh, a staff member at a faculty member at Northern Colorado when Jeff was there. So, you know, Jeff gave a great recommendation and, uh, you know, you you posted a story on it. Um, I retweeted the tweet. I mean, Sundance received some hate mail from a Wyoming fan that was just uh, reprehensible. And uh, I know one bad apple doesn't uh, represent the entire orchard, but Wyoming fans need to support guys like Sundance Wicks, whether they leave or not. Yeah, I mean, think about Vegas, man. I know he had an impact on you and I with his post-game press conference the last time we would ever talk to Sundance. I mean, he damn near had us in tears with how emotional and how just how you could tell how much these kids meant to him, but it just oozed out of him. And um, yeah, the, the hate mail thing was really gross. And the only reason I felt compelled to write that, Ryan, is because since I've been on this beat, I've seen it with Tyler Vanderwall. I've seen it with Levi Williams. Uh, Hunter Maldonado alluded to it. Like, you know, enough is enough. And and if you zoom in on that letter that he got, it mentions Noah Reynolds. And that was the beauty. That's part of the beauty of Sundance Wicks. He blocked it out. He didn't want Noah Reynolds to be in the middle of that. But somebody was pissed off that he left and he took Noah Reynolds with him. That's that's the way it goes, man. Noah Reynolds found he, Sundance found Noah Reynolds in Peoria, Illinois in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only strange thing about Reynolds is why did he commit to Wisconsin for a hot minute and then end up with his brother yeah. in Sundance? I mean, just just do what we all thought you were going to do. But that's 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 kind of the portal. Kids want to get in there and they want to be recruited. Uh, guys that no, weren't badly recruited and and yeah. it's weird in there. Yeah, and it had to feel good for Noah Reynolds. I mean, he was not recruited out of high school, so here's a second chance to be the pretty girl and. And he was. He was the hot commodity. And I tell you what, I know people have hard feelings toward Noah Reynolds, but he, he is a hell of a basketball player. Uh, he's a really – and he's thick. And I had guys question if he could even play in the Big Ten. I covered the Big Ten for two years. Yes, he could. He is that kind of a bulldog. The only worry, of course, is the head injuries. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, the spring game was 
last Saturday at the war. Uh, we finally had good weather. Um, the sun is finally out in Laramie and uh, I'm going to enjoy every second of it. And I don't want uh, the summer to end anytime soon, but if the countdown is on Cody, I mean, spring football is over. Texas tech is on the clock. And I know that me and you are both bullish on this team. And um, yeah, just what, what was your impression of spring football? What was your number one takeaway? Um, They're deep. They're really deep. And that's, you know, when you think about, the smaller schools beating the bigger schools and making big runs and having really successful seasons. It's because they're deep injuries are going to happen. You know, some of the better Cowboy teams in my generation. And, you know, I think in 1996, uh, that's probably the best Wyoming team of my lifetime uh, that I remember. And um, they didn't have a lot of depth. They had a lot of great starters, but they didn't have a lot of great depth. And we've seen some really good defenses here under Craig Bull, but this one you know, might be the best because they are loaded at every spot. And usually the black eye, if you will, of the defense has been at the cornerback spot. Uh, that doesn't appear to be the case anymore. They appear to be about four or five deep over there. So really excited for these guys. Plus they're young, they're energetic. Um, I didn't take much from the spring game, Ryan. I saw people jumping off a cliff because of the quarterback play and these DBs are really good, and uh, the, the offense was missing a ton of linemen. No, all three uh, three of their top running backs are out. The Gunner Gentry's out. I, I didn't expect much. I I think Craig Bowl was probably really excited about this spring because a lot of guys who didn't play, we know what they can do, and they're just saving some wear and tear on their body. So um, I didn't take much from that spring game, but I think this defense is going to be lights out. I think the running game is always going to be lights out. And if I'm encouraged about one thing on offense, it's those big tight ends catching balls 25 yards down the field. Yeah, after last Thursday's practice, which was their last real practice, the spring game was just kind of for fun and and yeah. to let people see Wyoming in Wyoming uniforms and get excited. Uh, Craig Bull was so pumped up, and he had just watched Top Gun Maverick. I think that had something to do with it. And he wanted to get in this <laughs> – Harley and getting a jet and fly, you know, to the Mountain West coaches meetings. But I think one reason he was so pumped up is because of what we actually did see in the spring game, which was uh, Tyreekus Davis and Colby Taylor, two cornerbacks that they've been um, bragging about all spring. Tyreekus Davis with a pick six, Colby Taylor with a nice break on the ball for an interception. Both of those interceptions depending whether your glass half full or empty were against Andrew Peasley, uh, the number one quarterback. So you mentioned depth. Those two, I think, have made a strong case to start on this defense. And then you have Ja'Cory Hawkins, a very talented athlete who sat out the spring, started last year, is also back, uh, along with Deron Harrell, you know, the Wisconsin transfer, big pick against Colorado State. You know, before spring started, uh, you know, Jay Savell said, we need more depth at corner. Last year we had two. We need four. I think they have at least four right now. I do, too. I mean, for three years there, they were really banking on C.J. Colden and Azizi Hurd, and there wasn't much behind them. So I think you're right, and it's part of the unfortunate thing about missing spring, though, right, is Ja'Cory Hawkins might have got jumped here. And Connor Shea might have jumped Shea Suyanoa as well. Um it's just, it's how it goes, man. They're going to put the best guys out on the field. But if you look at it from a really positive perspective, um, say 
Colby Taylor, who's all of 6'2", a huge wingspan, really looks the part. Say he's just following a blazing running back all over the field and he needs a blow, he can get a blow. Deron Harrell can come in, Jacory Hawkins can come in, and they got some new guys coming in that are incoming freshmen. So uh, I think they're in a really good spot. Every time I talk to Jay Bell, he's like, don't be pumping us up that much and don't be getting the cart, you know, cart in front of the horse, but – if this if this defense can create turnovers, they're going to be really, really filthy. They also like Wyatt Eckler at strong safety and Isaac White at free safety. I think if you're looking for an area where they need depth, it's at safety. But here comes Buck Coors. I mean, he was you and know Andrew the, Johnson and yeah. Andrew Johnson, the Cheyenne kid. So yeah. you know, Buck Coors was making some noise at nickel, you know, last fall, and then had his you know horrible leg injury, and then you know Andrew. Johnson, obviously a talented kid, a developmental kid, looks like he's ready to go. So depth there, potentially. Uh, Buck Coors with an interception in the spring game. And then Rook Brown, I mean, Rook Brown needs an NIL deal. This this kid should be every Wyoming fan's favorite person because he's, what is he, 5'8"? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's small. 100 and 50 pounds, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he looks like a soccer player from Europe and he is murdering people, unfortunately, including his own teammate, Caleb Merritt, in the spring game. A teachable moment where Bull's probably angry, but inside fist pumping about this kid. Yeah, no doubt, man. And uh, yeah, Rook's great. I remember we met him for the first time after the New Mexico game last year, and I thought maybe he was a support staff guy, and he was standing there ready to be interviewed, and we're like, who the hell are you? Oh, you're the guy who just had 10 tackles in your first start? Uh, wow. I mean, he's really impressive, but I tell you what, you know who stood out to me and talk about an embarrassment of riches? Jaden Williams at the defensive tackle spot. He had himself a monster game. He blew through the line so quick and stripped Sam Scott in the backfield like it was no big deal. Uh, I believe he had four tackles for loss, two sacks. He led the team in, with six tackles. He's a, the, what, maybe six deep on the defensive tackle uh, list right now. I mean, they are just loaded up front. And, and that's where the games, as we know, are won. I think they really have some edge rushers who can get around there. Uh, Sebastian Harsh was limited, of course, after coming off a season-ending injury. Uh, those guys, Braden Siders hasn't even practiced uh, all spring recovering from surgery. I think they got big run stoppers. And not only that, we've seen Cole Goodbow and we've seen Jordan Bertinelli get to the quarterback as well. I think they're just going to give offensive lines complete fits this year. Yeah, Um I don't think Craig is probably going to release a depth chart and I don't think it's smart to this day and age, although the portal is closed. So why not? But, um, you know, I played the depth chart game just in my head and, and nose tackle, you have Cole Goodbow, who I think is a potential all American Gavin Meyer, who I think if Cole would have went on to the NFL would be an all mountain West nose tackle. And then Ben mustard gas Florentine, who you did a story on, uh, tough yeah. as nails, California kid. That's your nose tackles. Um, then defensive tackle, obviously, Bert Noli, another great Wyoming homegrown stud. Uh, Caleb Robinson, huge dude who's, you know, has the experience now. And you mentioned Jaden Williams. He looks like an absolute beast. So those are just the six that, uh, you know, I have penciled in and they recruited very well at those positions. Um, this last yeah, 
Are we shocked that uh, Oscar Giles, our position coach, just got promoted to assistant coach uh, or associate head coach? Uh, I'm not. And the head of uh, the freshman team and also just doing unbelievable work down in Texas in the recruiting game. I mean, he is uh, he's been a huge pickup for the staff. Yeah, I need one of these raises where they're like, Ryan, you are our new Wyoming <laughs> beat writer slash content producer slash podcast <laughs> person. And, you know, one of these long titles that these guys have, I know uh, Mike Grant has a long title. <laughs> Oscar <laughs> might be even longer right now. And well-deserved because Texas is, is treating Wyoming well, and Oscar is a big part of that. And when you play Texas Tech in Texas, it's a chance to even go deeper on that and get more eyeballs on Wyoming football down there. Something maybe we're not giving enough credit to as well, Ryan, for those people who haven't read these stories, Oscar Giles spent last year living in the dorms with these guys. Mm-hmm. And that was more not to babysit, but to be a shoulder and to be an ear for these kids. I mean, can you imagine what that's doing as far as building relationships and guys not entering the portal? Because they that guy is lovable. And here they are living in the dorms and watching a guy who has plenty of money to live in a really nice house wherever he wants and he's living in the dorms with you. So um, I think that carries a ton of weight, and I could see how he'd be so easy to have a relationship with. And and he's he stepped in for a guy in Pete Calagis who was beloved, who was at UW longer than any other coach. So what a seamless transition for the Cowboys here to get him, and he's just a great human being. Yeah, and just to wrap up the defensive depth chart, you mentioned uh, Connor Shea. You know, I know his specialty is middle linebacker, but all Wyoming – Backers, you know, learn both positions. Easton Gibbs is going to start. I know Craig said, you know, that Shea yeah. could challenge for the starting spot, even though, uh, you know, Shea was playing middle linebacker this spring. I think you're right. It could be on the weak side with uh, Suya Nano, um, you know, but that kid's talented too. I think I, I see Connor Shea, whether he wins the weak side spot or not, rotating with both those guys like uh you know chad muma used to do in the old days when they had studs at both positions absolutely we've talked about it so much chase we know it was johnny on the spot all year his trouble was wrapping up and making tackles but this was his first year playing on the defense last year in three years he was a quarterback in high school so he's got everything down except for wrapping up and that of course has been on his mind all year as well as getting beat for that winning touchdown against Ohio on a perfectly thrown ball in the back of the end zone. Don't get it wrong. Shea has been stewing on that stuff. And uh, he knows he knows Connor Shea's coming. So I would expect a, a really good fall camp from Shea Suinoa, but I'm with you, man. It just helps that now they're going to be able to rotate everywhere in that linebacker court. Yeah, and Cole DeMarzo missed spring, but he has all the measurables. Transferred yep. from Michigan State last year. He's going to be – uh, a factor at some point in his career at Wyoming. So uh, my question, just to sum up how good this defense is on paper, and I know Jay Savell, if he's listening, is probably like, all right, enough on the <laughs> defense, go to the offense. But, you, you know, you mentioned Braden Siders, Devon Harris, Sebastian Harsh. I mean, one one of their only real questions, like, who's our fourth dynamic pass rusher? Uh, yeah. Could be Keelan Cox, the Alabama transfer had a fumble recovery, uh, could yeah. be someone we don't know about. But <laughs> when you're getting down to who's our fourth defensive end or who's our who can we really count on at nickel if something happens to Rook, I mean, those are only a couple of questions they have right now. Yeah, and I mean, 
last year, if you think about it, with Boise State in town at the defensive tackle spot, you're talking Ben Florentine and Ethan Drews. They were in for some clutch, clutch moments, and Ethan Drews helped helped uh, Gavin Meyer cause that fumble uh, late in that Boise State game that uh, started uh, George Halani. I think I looked at you in the press box and said, George Halani has never fumbled in his college career in 200 and some attempts. Sure enough, there comes the ball, and two guys that are not starters are, are lined up at defensive tackle. So I, I'm not worried, and I think Brian Hendricks is the perfect coach for that position and I think they're going to have a guy ready to roll if need be. I mean, I was there in 2020 for that first COVID game against Nevada, and you're sitting there looking, how the hell do you pronounce this Bertagnoli? Who the hell is this guy? Oh, he's a walk-on from Casper who played wide receiver at Northern at Natrona County, and he had a breakout game. So I'm not worried at all who that fourth guy is. Yeah, and just, you know, to your point on offense, the spring game, I mean, I wouldn't get – too excited about anything that happened on offense or too down about anything that happened. You know, Harrison Whaley didn't play. DeWyan McNeely didn't play. D.K. James didn't play. Caleb Driscoll didn't play. They were down to three tackles. Uh, you know, it was just – were limited. Yeah, it was just not a – it's not what the offense is going to look like September 2nd in any way. Now, I mean, it is kind of disappointing that Peasley threw a couple picks – uh, you know, Evans Voboda did not look great. Uh, Jaden Clemens was efficient, but, you know, didn't really have – none of them had a touchdown pass. Um, you know, the most exciting play was Tariqas Davis's interception return for a touchdown. So the quarterback position is a question mark. Uh, I think it's just like last year. Andrew Peasley is a great leader. Um, he's beloved. He has the talent to get it done. And it's just a question of giving him enough uh, around him to help him get that done. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, whether it's Svoboda or Clemens, that they feel good enough about that number two person that um, that they let Teasley run quite a bit this year and just turn him loose. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. And if Wyoming has their trademark running game, and we've said this for years, that should open up plenty of passing lanes, and these tight ends are really talented. Uh, if there's one other MVP of this spring, you would have to say it's probably John Michael Gillenborg right there with Colby Taylor. He's probably the offensive MVP, and we saw him make a 27-yard grab down in the red zone in this game. Uh, you know, those are big, huge targets that should be wide open if the running game is humming. And uh, also, I'm with you 100%. They did not let Peasley run a lot last year. They really preserved him. He was facing some injuries, and he, let's face it, he's not a big guy. So this year, it's his last year. It's his last two raw. He's going to know the playbook. Craig Bowles brought that up 100 times, that he was learning the playbook. It's so much different than Utah State. Now he's got a full year plus into this playbook. Plus, just instead of throwing some of those away, let him be his athletic, elusive self. We saw him bust up the gut against San Jose for, what, a 60-yard run? Uh, at Illinois, he was probably the only bright spot as far as the running game went. He was blowing around the corner there a few times. Um, he's really talented in that area, and it's it's time to let the chains off. And like you said, you got to believe in who that guy behind him is because Peasley is not a big man, and if he gets hurt, who's up? Yeah, and I think Trayton Welch and John Michael Gillenborg will be his go-to guys, and they're both tight yes. ends. And uh, I think over the 14 practices that we didn't watch, it sounds to me like uh, Wyatt Wheeland really stepped up and is definitely a frontline starting wide receiver. You know, the thing about Wyoming wide receivers is they only start two of them 
and they've got about 12 of them to choose from. Um, I'd like to see Alex Brown take over the X uh, where Cobbs was and Nayor was before that, just because of the physicality we've talked about. Um, I don't make a lot that he was, you know, pretty quiet this spring, you know, he's coming off, you know, some injury stuff. So, uh, you know, you have Caleb Merritt out there, you have Jalen Sargent, then you have obviously the transfers coming in, Devin Bodie Jr. and Ayer Asante, they'll get into the mix there. They have plenty of depth and competition there. They just need uh, a couple more guys to emerge the way Wyatt Wheeland has. Yeah, and uh, Will Pellisier is a guy who we expect to be healthy by fall. Same goes with Gunnar Gentry. And by all accounts, you know, when Gunnar Gentry was healthy, he, uh, I had a coach actually tell me he looked just like his brother. Um, and I hate to get people all excited because I know Gunnar's had some injury history, obviously, these last few years. But if you can get even half of a Tanner Gentry, you're in really good shape there. But the ones I think you can't discount how huge it was to get the monkey off the back for Sargent and Merritt just making a catch or two in the Arizona Bowl. Imagine you're a wide receiver and you finally get that moment over with and in the rear view, and now you can just go play ball. And I really think Caleb Merritt's going to be really good in the slot. And Jalen Sargent, you know, is almost as big as Alex Brown. So take that next step, go make some plays, and and you're off and running. Yeah, and it's it's crazy to think about because, you know, after the Arizona Bowl, I kind of thought it was – one of the strengths of the team, but um, with Emmanuel Pregnant going in the portal and going to USC, I think the offensive line is probably the number one area to keep an eye on during fall camp. They need to develop some guys there in a hurry. Uh, obviously, Frank Crum is anchoring the thing at right tackle. Uh, I believe Caden Barnett, who did not play also in the spring game, will be the left tackle. I think they really like those guys. Obviously, Fia at center is a, is a stud. Yeah. And Jack Walsh, I assume, will be the right guard yeah. uh, where Pregnon was because he's a stud. He could play right guard, left guard, one of the tackle spots. I see him at right guard next to Frank. Keep that side of the line a, a strength like it was last year. So uh, you're looking at, you know, probably some redshirt freshman is going to have to step up and, and be the left guard. Uh, beyond getting a couple, a swing tackle and some depth and finding a starter at left guard, you know, it's in decent shape, but they need some more bodies there that they can trust. Yeah, I think they're going to be in good shape. And I believe uh, I believe Frank Crow is actually going to make the move to left tackle this year. So he's going to be yeah. protected uh, Peasley's blind side. So you like that move. He's definitely the veteran of this group. And I loved how Craig Bowl kept saying this is a six-year guy and he's fighting his ass off to get into practice, which most six-year guys, you know, I talked to Marcus Harris and Ryan Yarborough and they were like, man, we were sitting on the golf cart. You know, we didn't want to. We didn't want to take any chances during the spring ball. So it's nice to see that with, with him. But, yeah, I think you're talking what, and I know you talked from Wes King, Rex Johnson, Luke Sandy. Those are some names that might get in there. You know, they do have some really big true freshmen coming in, but Craig Bull has said numerous times that is one of the hardest spots to crack because you have to have it mentally, physically, and be ready to roll. And, and I thought for the most part, even though it was makeshift, I thought the line held up pretty damn well in the spring game until the end. The end, they started leaking a little bit, but I'm sure they were tired and they haven't played this much football in a long time. So I think they have some really good pieces and they have some really good running backs that are going to make up for some mills anyway. Yeah, I, I knew they were experimenting with with Crum at left tackle. I just I think they're afraid to just come out and say it um, because you have to be, you know, you have to be an athlete there. And he's so big. Uh, 
but I think the fact that Erica Boje was able to do that, um, not a great athlete, but a really good offensive lineman, played guard, right tackle, then left tackle. I think the formula is there for Frank to do that, and boy, will that help him next year during the NFL draft if he shows that versatility. And, and if he keeps Andrew Peasley uh, healthy and clean, uh, you know, talk about a, a legacy cowboy and uh, a Hunter Maldonado of the football program, that's Frank Crum. That's a great way to put it, Ryan. Uh, were you, I was wondering, were you shocked at all to see uh, any of these Wyoming guys picked up as far as the NFL goes? Uh, not really. I mean, I know, I think hopefully TV broadcasts can adjust this and be like, okay, here comes Xavion Valaday, the rookie from Arizona State slash Wyoming, because he's a Wyoming cowboy. Uh, I was not surprised to see Valaday make the NFL and get a nice contract as an undrafted free agent. I was surprised he didn't do it last year, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he told me before the Hawaii game that, you know, I was like, he kind of hinted like, yeah, this is going to be my last introduction of the war. And then he got mad that I kind of wrote that, but I, I just assumed he was going to the NFL draft and he ended up going to the Portland having a great year in the PAC 12. So I'm happy for him. And I think he'll be a good pro. And that just shows how talented he is. The only reason he didn't get drafted is because he's got a million carries on him already. And and NFL GMs want guys that don't have a lot of carries, young guys from power programs that only got their shot, you know, late in their career or whatever, that have a lot of miles to go. So Valaday, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, Titus Swin, you know, I, I don't think he's quite at the level of Valaday, but I'm, I'm glad he's getting a shot. With Indianapolis, it didn't end well at Wyoming, but uh, certainly I think even though uh, things didn't go well at the end between him and the coaching staff, I think uh, his heart in general is in the right place, and, and I hope he I hope he get, gets a good shot there in Indy. Um, Aboje is kind of a long shot. Like I said, he's not a prototypical uh, NFL tackle, but maybe Miami sees him as more of a guard, and maybe he can stick. I don't know. Um, and then obviously uh, ZZ and Colden were super uh, Mountain West starters and and did pretty well at, at Power Five programs, big Power Five programs. So not surprised at all. I think next year is a year where you'll start seeing uh, Wyoming guys drafted again. Uh, they didn't have a very many seniors last year, but uh, certainly Cole Goodbow comes to mind for me. Um, and, and and I think they have some other guys with NFL bodies for sure. Well, I think Frank Crum definitely has some NFL uh, size, no doubt about it. So would really like to see. I, I was thinking about what guys would be drafted next year, and uh, Cole Goodbow, of course, comes to mind immediately. But I think uh, Frank Crum could maybe make a make a splash here, especially if he starts at left tackle and plays all uh, 14 games, you hope. Yeah, and you wonder, uh, you know, I know they have eligibility left, but certainly uh... – Devon Harris is a unique football player. He's not that big, but him and Siders are just crazy getting to the quarterback. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's interesting because Savell told me that, you know, what were they ranked? They were in the top 20 in sacks, probably like around 15. Savell's like, we should have been in the top five. We missed so many sacks. So yeah. um, when you have Harsh crashing the party too, I mean – uh, it's exciting time for Wyoming's defense for sure. And uh, you're going to need it against Texas Tech. Yeah, and the one that hurts, is speaking of, you know, to Sawbell's point, is that Boise State game, they had 10 quarterback hurries and they had zero sacks in that game. Uh, 
they get one sack out of those hurries, who knows? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you have to wonder, too, if Easton Gibbs has another 120-tackle season and throws in a couple of pick sixes and stuff like that, if maybe, like Muma, he he decides, hey, it's it's time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys that are listed as as juniors or even sophomores have been here four years, so yeah. uh, a lot to like there. And uh, what is that noise? Oh, that's the portal door is now closed, Cody. And yeah. I know that there's, what, 15, 16 names in there this cycle for Wyoming, uh, but not a lot of big names, not a lot of starters. Uh, you look, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you know, players have the power now. They do, um, but so do coaches. Look at what's going on at Colorado with the portal. Deion Sanders said, I'm bringing my Louis luggage. You guys are Samsonite, and you're all getting in the portal, and I'm bringing in 70 new guys. That's going to be a grand experiment in the other direction. But when you look at the average number of Power five programs, what their portal numbers are, it's about 16, 17. That's about what Wyoming is, which is a non-power five. So uh, as bringing it full circle, I think Craig Bull has adapted and and changed. And I will not be surprised if they kick the door down this year, but I don't want to get people's hopes up too much. But this is <laughs> this is a championship defense with an all-American kicking team. Yeah. And a studly running game. We all yeah. know what the missing equation is. And if they balance it at all, this is a heck of a football team. Yeah, I want to say with Max Jones going into the portal right before it closed, he was number 17 for the Cowboys. But Craig Bull did what Deion Sanders did in a very quiet, professional yes. manner. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't believe when I saw fans saying, see you to a guy like Gavin Beerup. Um he was told to, you know, you're going to need to go somewhere else. And I'm, I bet Wyoming would even help facilitate uh, him going somewhere else. Uh, basically give them a beautiful letter of recommendation. That I'm sure did they have, did that for Hank Gibbs. I'm sure. Hank, more, absolutely. They Hank played Gibbs Northern Colorado last year. I'm sure Northern Colorado's new coach watched yep. that film and said, hey, uh, what do you guys think about Hank Gibbs coming up to Greeley? I mean, that's. You know, and Deshaun Woods, you don't want to lose the highest ranked recruit in program history. But when you repeatedly say, yeah, he's not practicing, he needs to work on his academics and it doesn't he doesn't end up ever practicing. I mean, that's not a that's not a that's not Deshaun Woods saying, oh, I'm going to USC. No, no, there's nothing to do with loyalty with those guys. Jordan Vaughn. He was stacked behind a ton of dudes. Uh, he's a really talented kid. He's going to land on his feet. Uh, but Craig Ball quietly is is doing that. And Jeff Linder did it after the Indiana loss. They lost their entire bench. And that wasn't guys entering the transfer portal. That was him going, hey, guys, you want to go play somewhere? Let me help you go play somewhere else. So to me, the Cowboys' biggest loss, Pregnon, Oluwasi show. Um, Cam Stone did some nice things here. Joshua Cobbs did some nice things here. But to me, Emoto Show and Pregnon are the losses. Yeah, and Emoto Show would be that number four defensive end that we were just talking about. It's not You're right. I mean, uh, and and from what I've heard, he's doing well at Oregon State. So uh, yeah, you know, I that's... think the, I think Bull did a masterful job. I really do. And I think uh, I've heard from every coach really that they upgraded with Harrison Whaley. 
he's going to be really good. That Keani Parks kid that's coming in from Wisconsin, the true freshman, he appears to be an absolute freak of an athlete. Every time I see him on Twitter, he's winning a gold medal somewhere or doing something fantastic. Uh, so I think they're really good at that spot, and it's a numbers game, and Craig's making sure he's got some – you know, he's got some offers out as we speak to a quarterback specifically that was at Coffeeville Junior College in Iowa. Um, so – you know, he's playing the game and he's learned and he's bringing in, I believe you just interviewed the uh, player personnel guy. I mean, that guy is so important. Yeah. Kirby O'Mara. I mean, he's, he's been in the sec. He's been at central Florida. He's from Texas and you know, they Gordy and him are studying the portal whenever they're not doing anything else. And that's, for a team that's not going to add many portal guys. I mean, this yeah. is still going to be a high school recruiting developmental uh, deal, but when you lose a guy like Pregnon uh, or you lose a guy like Cam Stone, uh, you got to replace them. And I, I, I would argue that Tyreekus Davis is an upgrade at cornerback over Cam Stone. And I love Cam Stone. And we haven't seen David or Devin body yet or Ayer Asante. Uh, those guys could be a major upgrade over Joshua Cobbs. We don't know yet, but I spoke to Ayer Asante. He was at the spring game. He came in with his dad from New Jersey and he's just a delight. And he is really excited to get here. Him and uh, body have already got this connection together uh, where they're chatting all the time and they feel like they can be the real burners uh, at the uh, wide receiver spot. They can be the real downfield threats and, a guy like Asante, he had a really great career at Holy Cross, and he this is his last year. And he mentioned that to me when we were talking, that there's no transition period. It's time to come in and go to work and make hay right now because he wants to be in the NFL. All right. Well, we will uh, enjoy the summer. Um, we'll <laughs> still keep podcasting and writing, of course. But uh, I believe July 19th will be the Mountain West Media Day event kickoff in Las Vegas. Uh, where do you think Wyoming will be picked before I get out of, get you out of here? No divisions you know, this year. Yeah, no divisions. Um, I, I think people are really still high on Fresno State, and I don't understand it. They lost absolutely a ton. They lost almost every impact guy they had. I don't believe in them at all. And uh, I think they're going to be still up there. Probably Air Force lost a lot of skill guys too. And I know they're just a machine that keeps reloading, but there are times Air Force is down. Uh, I don't necessarily not believe in them, but I'm not necessarily putting them above Wyoming. I think CSU is completely rebuilding. They're gonna, they've got to be the youngest team in the country. Um, New Mexico is New Mexico. I think San Diego State, I don't know if they've figured out their quarterback issue yet. I've told people numerous times, Ryan, I believe in this Cowboys team so much, I would have no problem even giving them a first-place vote. But we don't know about the passing game, and we know Boise State's got themselves a hell of a quarterback. So I think Boise State, number one. I think Fresno State's probably still going to get enough love to maybe finish number two, I guess. I think San Diego State will be up there. Air Force will be up there. But I think Wyoming will be in the top five, if not the top four. Yeah, I think I'll probably vote – uh, Boise State won because of the quarterback and just their roster is talented. Yeah. And Wyoming plays at Boise State where they've never beat the Broncos. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll probably go Boise one, Wyoming two. But my guess is the media in general will have Wyoming four or five just yeah. out of respect for uh, Calhoun, you know, annually winning 10 games and Fresno State is the reigning champion. And San Jose State also did not lose much at all in the portal. They'll be up there, but uh, I think uh, 
the road to the championship goes through Boise, but you got to love uh, the rest of Wyoming's schedule uh, besides that trip to Boise for sure. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, what do they like to say? Uh, Wyoming's due. <laughs> Wyoming's yeah. due to win up there. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're going to give the Cowboys a ton of love, but I think if you're a Wyoming fan, you don't care. I, I you don't, don't want them. You don't want yeah. number one. No. And I don't think you even want them number two. Let them, let them finish four or five and sneak up on the pack. So I love the way the Cowboys uh, schedule uh, shakes out. You and I talked about it after the spring game. Uh, some people already have Texas tech as an L uh, we don't. Uh, at all uh, when you have an elite defense like the Cowboys should have uh, you know that's the games you can win uh, winning in Texas is going to be really tough obviously but you have basically your first seven games are at home aside from Austin or your first eight because let's face it a ton of Wyoming fans go to Colorado Springs and Wyoming traditionally plays Air Force so tough that I don't think you almost consider that a road game in a lot of ways so Austin's pretty much your only road game for the first eight weeks of the season. Yeah, that's your airplane game. Uh, the yeah. rest are uh, sleep in your, your hotel bed in Laramie or, or get on the bus. So uh, I love that. I love that they're going to play all these home games when the weather's great. I love yeah. that Texas Tech was willing to come to Laramie. I think they're going to be potentially in the top 25 in the preseason uh, they beat Texas and Oklahoma last year for the first time ever in the same season. Beat Ole Miss in a bowl game. There's a lot of momentum there. Um, and they're probably going to overlook Wyoming because they happen to host Oregon in their home opener. So love the schedule, love the defense, uh, love the kicking game, love the running game. And uh, uh, we'll figure out the passing game before July. So thanks, <laughs> Cody, thanks so much for uh, hopping on and, uh, uh, you know, we'll see you uh, for a cold beer somewhere this summer. Yeah, appreciate you, Ryan. I was thinking maybe Titus Swing could use his $3,000 and take us to dinner. <laughs> and uh, if not, uh, best of luck in the Boulder Boulder. Hey, I'm, I'm jealous of your tan, too, by the way. 3000 bucks buys a lot of Coors, Cody. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. All right. You. Thanks, man.